What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down, episode number 60. Yeah, we made it to 60. 60 games. And uh, I have with me Matt. Hello, friends. And we're playing a quick game, uh, a game that's been suggested to us by Mookie for years and years. Let uh, it not be said that we don't uh, respond to game requests. It's true. We, we do. Um, but we're playing To the Moon, which is a uh, game developed by Freebird Games. Um, came out originally on Windows in November of 2011. And this game, how do I describe this game? This is, this, would you call it a game, Matt? Yeah, that's, that's one of the big questions I was wondering if we were going to talk about because I, I think had there not been such a long lineage of telltale style games and other games that sort of bridge this narrative and gameplay question and really bring that to the forefront, Maybe there would have been an argument that it's not a game. I mean, to me, it's clearly a game. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's borderline interactive novel. Yeah. As much or more so than a game, but... Well, there are puzzles you have I'm to not solve. sure how much stock to put in that question anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you're moving a character, you're talking to things, you're you're solving puzzles, stuff like that. So, yeah, there is some gameplay in there. But you're basically just watching the story play out. Yeah, and the puzzles, they could have made the puzzles an actual element of the game, but they're really, I don't know why they're in there. They're they're so easy, and they're so intentionally unobtrusive that, you know, it's hard to even say that they're a component of the gameplay. Right. Other than that, you actually do have to complete them. It's like a chapter break or something like that. Yeah, a quick palate cleanser. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> so... And this is the this is the other hurdle I find myself is how do we talk about this game because since it's such a a linear story, um, man. All right, so let's just get the background out of the way. Um, what is your history with To the Moon, Matt? There really isn't any. I had honestly never heard of it before it was recommended. Um, but that being said, once it was, I kind of looked it up and, you know, it's described as a, a narrative driven, emotional short game, which I'm essentially always in the mood for one of those. Right. So as soon as I kind of heard about it, looked it up, I said, yeah, I'd, I'd like to try this. I, um, purchased this. I don't know when I purchased this game. I bought it before Mookie suggested it. Um, I think think i'm trying to imagine i'm pretty sure i read an article about it or something like that um talking about how it was like kind of like an emotional story kind of thing and i was like all right um and so i I went ahead and just picked it up i didn't know what it was about i I think i played i think steam said i played six minutes of it (laughs) originally so i was like huh oh i finally went back and finished it but um, I, I, I had heard of it, but didn't know anything about it. Um, yeah, as soon as I read a description, it reminded me a little bit of, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which it was immediately a turn on for me. Yeah. 
there, there's some elements of a lot of th- stuff in this. Um, but it, it's weird because I, I always go back to butterfly effect whenever somebody travels in the past yep. and changes something and then, oh, it has consequences in the pre- present time. But in this one, there really is no consequence. Um, right, or the consequence is the goal. Oh, yeah. So um, let's just give the overall synopsis. Uh, the player controls two... Uh, I wouldn't say they're scientists. They're they work for this company. Cool. Yeah, they they work for this company called Sigmund Corp, uh, which I'm guessing takes place in the near future. Um, that was it, as much as I uh, attributed to the timeline. Everything seems kind of normal, except there's this crazy technology, right? So they Sigmund Corp has this technology to basically. Uh, for the lack of a better term, mind Jack into a person and possibly alter their memories. Uh, and they created a business where they will send the these people out uh, to basically people who are dying or terminally ill and grant them a final wish in their mind. Um, Which is presumably it's most people's like biggest regret, right? It's yeah, you know we're gonna go back and we're gonna let you do that one thing that you were never able to do. Right. It's like Make a Wish Foundation, but you're altering somebody's mind. Um, man. So kind of total recall. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, that's another you know comparison. Total recall. Yeah, pretend you went on that vacation to Mars. Yeah, but you didn't really. You're also a spy, but then you actually are a spy. And <laughs> Where are you? Yeah, <laughs> and then it, we erase your memory, but you don't remember it. What a fucking awesome movie that, that is. That is such a great movie, and it's so cheesy. As long as you're not talking about the remake. I have not seen the remake. It To me, it was one of that handful of movies that came out within a few years of each other. That was very slick, but kind of soulless. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it was a serviceable sci-fi movie, but it was no Total Recall. Yeah, that's it. Didn't have the nuance that Paul Verhoeven brought to it, and it didn't have the ridiculousness of Arnold Schwarzenegger with his eyes blasting out of his head <laughs> or pulling that thing out of his nose. Yeah, <laughs> the um, it's weird because we bring that. I'm going on a tangent now, but um, th- there was a lot of remakes around that time. You had Total Recall, you had RoboCop. You had yep. Dread, which I have to give it to him. Dread is a phenomenal movie. There's one more I always lump into that group. Uh, I don't know what it is. Not, not Blade Runner, because that hasn't come out yet. Mm-mm. I don't know. Those are the three big ones that I remember. It's like, oh, they're remaking this. RoboCop was okay. Yeah. I, I felt like it was a little soulless, but yeah, it was okay. It was worth watching once. But yeah, Dread. If you have not seen Dread, you need. I to still see haven't. It. You need to see that movie. It's so freaking good. I think I talked about it on a previous show, um, but I, I always love 
movies or games or any any type of story that takes place in one singular place. Yep. And dread takes place like they're stuck in this apartment complex and they can't get out. And the whole movie takes place in that apartment complex. Yeah, I, I've been meaning to watch it. It's on my list. But um, anyway, back to to the moon. So, uh, we take over the role of uh, Eva. I guess is Rosaline. Rosaline. Yeah, R- Rosaline. Rosaline and uh, Neil Watts. Uh, these two people who work for Sigmund Corp and they have been sent late at night to a person's house. Um, a man by the name of Johnny or John. And, um, hey, Johnny is an older man who is, we don't know exactly what he's suffering from, but he is, he's on his last leg. Uh, yep. they've brought in hospice and, he a couple of weeks ago had contacted Sigmund Corp to come give him his his final wish. And they um, say he's only got a day or two left, right? Yeah, and that's when they usually come in. Like it's it's kind of a, it, it's not really established, but through the dialogue between uh, Rosaline and Watts, it seems like they're more susceptible to their mind and memories being changed when they're closer to death. It's also, I think, illegal because of the effect it can have, totally changing somebody's memories. I think it's illegal to do it in this universe until the last couple of days. Right. So, um, we play as those two characters. Uh, Watts is kind of... (sighs) It's weird because they switch roles in between. Um, Watts is kind of a goofy guy. He's not an idiot by any means. In fact, he's the one who does most of the programming and stuff with the computer. Um, but he's just goofy at times. And definitely has kind of a, a nerdy sense of humor. Yeah. Um, and he... It's weird because he originally starts off with this attitude of none of this really matters. You know, we're here just to get a job done. Yeah. That's actually one of the things I like a lot about this game is the way that both of their approach kind of changes. Yeah. As, as they're going through this experience. While, um, Rosaline is more of a compassionate person. Um, who is trying to get to the bottom of things um, to obviously make a difference in this person's last few days of life. Um, and their banter back and forth is, is pretty well done. Um, yeah. I, I like it. And um, yeah. so especially, especially considering none of the game is voice acted. Yeah. Which, to be honest, I noticed at first but like halfway through, I just I, I stopped realizing that there were no voices. You know, I just I was reading it and kind of I think it was well enough done that I just kind of yeah they're they're, they're talking to each other and that's all I all I took from the scene. Not oh I'm reading this and I wish they were they were speaking it right. Uh, Wiles Johnny Wiles is his last. I'm actually looking at the plot on Wikipedia, um, because this game is about a four hour game. 
and a lot happens in those four hours. And in fact, I don't remember a lot of the play-by-play. It only took me like three sittings to finish this game. Um, but it's interesting because, as we've established, uh, we're going through this person's memories. And we basically, it's like Memento, where we're starting from the most recent memories and traveling back. So we see things, and we're like, why did that happen? And then we go back in time through his memories and see why that happened. Which I think is the single best thing this game does. Yeah. Uh, through the writing, the way... It's not even the big mysteries. I mean, I guess there is one big mystery, which is why does he want to go to the moon? But all of the smaller mysteries that come up and then get answered along the way, I think give the give the sort of even though it's semi disjointed because you're hopping through this person's life and it's backwards, it, it gives it a nice sense of progression story wise. Because you are raising questions and then getting questions answered. And most of those questions are, are impactful and they, they kind of wrap together in, into the four hour story that you get in the game. Yeah. And to me, that was absolutely the best part of this game. So to begin with, when we reach the house, so the first thing that happens is, uh, Watts is driving the car and he, uh, accidentally crashes it into a tree right outside of their house. Um, and he hit, he's trying to avoid a squirrel, I think, or a rabbit and he still hits it. Um, and so that comes up a little later. Um, but when we enter the house, um, Johnny had hired a caretaker, um, to watch over him and help him, uh, throughout probably about two years, I think she said. Yeah, I think it's two years because that's when, that's when his wife died. Yeah. So, um, there's also a doctor there who is obviously like a hospice doctor. Um, and we have to figure out a little bit about Johnny before we can even jack into his mind. Um, and we discover a few things. Uh, the first one being that he was kind of an obsessive about certain things in his later years. Um, he has, uh, this large house, um, that's next to a lighthouse. And, um, when we go into the basement, we find like a whole bunch of these, um, origami rabbits tons of them yeah would we say he was compulsive i don't think he was the one that was did he well i mean did he create those or he just keep them over the years i think he just kept them he just kept them okay um but there's a lot of mystery involved of like is this guy nuts is he crazy um so we uh we then learn a little bit about him we learned that his wife died a couple years ago um, his health started to get worse and worse. And, um, we then jump into his mind, uh, and we go to his most recent memory, which was 
him overlooking the lighthouse, um, and there is, uh, where his wife is buried, the grave there. Um, and this is kind of our starting point, and we'll come back to that because this is basically, we're trying to get all the information out of this Johnny so that way it can help us go deeper into his memories. And, uh, everything in this, these memories can be rebooted at any time. You can just reset it. Um, but when you reset it, nothing sticks. It starts over. So whatever you've changed, you've just erased. Uh, but they can manipulate the memory. So if he remembers somebody standing next to him, you can completely erase that person out of the memory. Um, and you can, which is where it gets a little bit eternal sunshiny because they're going in and trying to zap specific memories to delete them. Yeah. So, um, it's basically like you're watching a movie, but you have the ability to delete certain scenes. And because you deleted those scenes, the movie plays out differently. Um, and that's basically what they're trying to do. So we go and talk to old man, Johnny, and, uh, we ask him, Hey, we, we're from the Sigmund Corp. Uh, we're here to give you your final wish. And Johnny's like, well, that means I'm close to dying. Like, yeah. So we need to know what you want to do. And, you know, typical things, uh, I want to be a famous rock star or I want to be a millionaire or, you know, all certain stuff. But Johnny answers simply, he wants to go to the moon. And everybody's kind of baffled at that. What do you mean, go to the moon? He's, I don't know why I want to go to the moon. I don't know how I'm going to get there. But that's what I want to do. And we're like, well, we can't really go on all that. So we're going to have to obviously go back through his memories and figure out why exactly he wants to go to the moon. And so the whole crux of the game is going to a memory, finding certain things that may be there in that memory that we can then use to go back further in time. So so I, I take it to mean that these are the important things, sort of the touchstones that you know, because, you, yeah, we're trying to kind of progress our way down or backwards through his memories so we're using the strongest things that he remembers, essentially, in each memory. Yeah. And those those form the bridge between that memory and older memories. Right. With so, one in particular being the link, right? Or the bridge? Uh, yeah. So, um, it's... That, that, like, in... Uh, to begin with, like, and that begins, like, the whole figuring out what's going on what what happened so there's there's mysteries on top of mysteries so um we the first big one is why does he have all these rabbits both in the lighthouse as well as in his basement and you know traveling through time we see first first thing is his wife has passed um and he's taking it kind of hard and uh it's him trying to cope with it and then you go further in, you see her on her deathbed. He, uh, a long time ago, wrote a song called To the Moon for her. 
and he uh, plays on the piano. He brings the piano upstairs, which nobody knows how they even get it upstairs. Um, and you're constantly going back and forth between like, okay, so she's dead here. Now she's on her deathbed. Now they're a little bit younger. Um, and you're, you're, you're just, you're, you're slowly learning more and more about their relationship and it's yeah. not, it, it almost in, in many ways becomes less about the big mystery for most of the game. It's not about the moon per se. It's about just discovering who these two people are and how they interact with each other and it, you know, and how they live their life. Right. So I, man, that's, that's the hard thing to do is talk about like, the step-by-step memories. Yeah, I mean, t- t- to me, it was about some of their progressions. Like, you know, like Neil being kind of a joker and Eva kind of so the compassionate one, but also like, you know, let's let's go. We got a job to do, and both of them are are less interested in Johnny and River, his wife, and the, it, it, it's more about sort of the mission. You know, let you know. Let's get it over with. Get done. You know, there's not enough coffee. I don't want to be here all night. <laughs> that t- those type of comments. Yeah. Until until they sort of through experiencing all these memories, really get to know you know the the other couple. And then their moods completely change. It's it's really interesting, but. Um... I'm trying to like I'm trying to hit the high points here as far as like uh, the most important ones. So uh since we're seeing this backwards, we we noticed that River his wife has some type of uh compulsion. Um she's obsessed with making these uh these origami rabbits and uh, lighthouses and stuff like that. And she seems to space off and kind of ignore people. And uh, you can see Johnny is getting frustrated with it, not understanding why. Um, And then, you know, you go further into the past. You see they're at the doctor's office. She's actually been diagnosed with a uh, a mental disability. Um, Which which I guess is Asperger's. I'm, I'm guessing so. They never actually say it. They don't say it, but they make a reference to a guy, Tony Atwood, uh-huh. who apparently wrote a bunch of books about Asperger's. Okay. See, so I, I, think, I, didn't I think that's know. sort of the link. Yeah, I didn't know that. So, um, but yeah, they she she was diagnosed with Asperger's probably I'd say what in her probably mid twenties. Was that? Yeah, because they keep making all these references to well, if we had caught it when you were a kid, you might have been able to integrate better into society. Right. And um, to me, that that's one of the first real big changes because, you know, the first question really being, why does he want to go to the moon? But then really from that point on, it's, all right, here's his wife, his dying wife. He loves his wife. And and, and that, that real change of what you were saying, how he gets a little frustrated, doesn't know how to deal with it, that was really one of the big first humanizing changes. Like this wasn't a fairy tale marriage. You know, it wasn't just that they lived happily ever after. These two were married. They were married for a long time. And, you know, like any real couple, there were frustrations. They didn't really understand each other. And, and there was, there was that sort of imperfections in the relationship that, 
that are obviously part of his memories, and that's what Eva and Neil start to start to see. Yeah. Um, the, you know, there was a memory where it was he was a little bit older, um, and she was having to take um some type of medication or some treatment, and uh, it was stuck between paying for the treatment or paying for this house that she always wanted because it was close to the lighthouse. And, um, he, you know, Johnny was like, I'm saving my wife. I'm not finishing this stupid house, you know? And, um, and then the, and then she's saying, no, don't do that. I'd rather you sacrifice me. Yeah. And then someone, then, then they have a friend couple who, you know, says, well, if that's what she wanted, why wouldn't you just do that? And he's saying, don't I, you know, don't I have the right to be selfish and try and save her life here? Yeah. So you, you get a lot of, a bit more, more complex emotions than in, you might expect in sort of a, a game that looks like it's from the Super Nintendo. Yeah. That's, that's one thing I should mention is this game looks like, uh, looks like Final Fantasy, I guess, three, if you're looking at the American one, but, um, Final Fantasy, um, was it five? No, it's six. It's like an overhead uh, view, um, 16-bit kind of thing. It looks like it looks R- nice. It's sharp. Yeah, it looks like an RPG. Um, in fact, there is a nice little uh, nod to RPG elements um, <laughs> at the very beginning of the game where uh, you're playing. I played as Rosaline uh, for this where I went to the lighthouse and the kids, the caretaker's kids go with you. And uh, they say they like to role play, and then you're like, okay, well, I'll role play with you guys. And you run into a squirrel, and you go into like a combat sequence with the squirrel. <laughs> and then when you get ready to attack it, uh, the kids scream. They're like, why are you going to hurt the squirrel? And they're like, I thought you guys liked to role play. So, <laughs> and just, oh, never mind. Yeah, and that, <laughs> that, and that, that was the last you ever see of it. Um, but yeah, no. Um, it's kind of yeah. quirky. I mean, they. The game does break that sort of fourth wall a few times and kind of become self-referential. Yeah, which is interesting because it's such a an otherwise somber discussion about you know this relationship and the issues that they had. So yeah. it's kind of interesting that that it does have that those bits of levity in there. Yeah, it's um it's a very serious tale uh, when you get down to it, but they do uh, they do like to poke fun every once in a while. Uh, usually at the expense of the, the doctors themselves. Um, but yeah, so we, we go through time. We see, uh, obviously, uh, them getting married. Um, there's a few things here and there that, that reference stuff that you'll see later on. Like at the, at the wedding, uh, Johnny's mom actually calls him Joey. And they're like, why do you call him Joey? He's like, oh, it's just a nickname. Um, uh, which I, that, I didn't see that coming. Um, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you see them, uh, when they first meet at school, these, these people grew up together. Um, yeah, I was going to say the next big beat for me was definitely the high school scenes when, when Johnny first quote unquote first meets river. Yeah. They go, uh, he asks them out, asks her out on a date. They go to the movie theater and Johnny thinks he's got stood up 
so he gets ready to leave the theater and then river comes out and she's like why are you leaving he's like why aren't you sitting with me i didn't even know you were here and that's when you kind of you can tell that there's something different about river uh we already know that she's she has a a disability but we see it through her childhood as well yeah when she wasn't even really aware of it nobody was really aware of it yeah nobody knew about it and, and then so- you get some weird scenes around here with you know when he's like talking to his friends i think in the cafeteria about her mm-hmm. and i think i think if i remember it correctly i think he's saying along the lines like i i like her because she's different yeah and you know i don't i don't want to live an ordinary life so i want to be with somebody you know th- that's unique like that yeah you know I, I don't know how much he was aware of at the time but but i think his friends kind of make some comment they're like well you you only want to be with her because she's strange that's not really enough to base a relationship on yeah to which he tells her that in the future when i i guess when she's on her deathbed i can't remember but it was one of those where he told her that yeah and the, or, oh that's he told her about that back when, when they were in high school um but eventually uh, through traveling through time and stuff like that uh and we come to a roadblock can't figure out something is going on the memories aren't linking and we can't go to some of his earlier memories when he was a boy a little boy uh and we can't figure it out so was this after they they uh they tried to sort of sway him wasn't this i think it was when he was in high school that they really made the big push and they said all right we can't get back any farther let's get him to become an astronaut yeah that's that's when they they do the whole we're having an assembly and i'm with nasa and yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys want to go be astronauts, right? Especially you, kid. What's your name, Johnny? <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. Um, but they, they, Which Eva points out. <laughs> yeah, she's like, "This is stupid. This is not going to work." But he did it anyway. And uh, they, they try multiple things. They go through multiple memories, but uh, none of it's working. And they're like, "Okay, we yeah. have to obviously connect to when he was a child." So they're they're even surprised by that because they go all the way back up to like his his most recent memories when he's an old man and nothing's changed. Yeah, and that's where they're like, "Wait, what the hell's going on here?" But, you know, we we did all of that. He should have been an astronaut. Why is he in the exact same place with the exact same person, saying the exact same things? Nothing nothing we've done has worked. Right. So they actually take a break. They leave the the memories, and we're back in the real world. For a little while uh and it comes to morning we've been up all night trying to do this uh and johnny didn't have much longer so we're gonna have to hurry up uh the the issue we then find is um after taking a break watts gets some coffee he's on the phone with headquarters and he learns that johnny uh has been given beta blockers uh, that kind of uh, create a memory loss. Um, his mother had prescribed them for him when he was in his teens, I guess. 
And so he doesn't remember uh, some of the was stuff. It, was it that late? Was it that late? I was going to guess it was more like when he was 10 or it 11. Could, it could have been. I don't know. They never actually go into when he was given the beta blockers, but uh, his mother obviously had him take them uh, for a reason. So we have to figure out a way to get around that by possibly triggering something. Uh, and we, you know, it, people can't think of anything that they, that they can imagine would work, uh, particularly because he's in a, I guess a medical, medically induced coma. You can't talk to him. He can't see anything. So we're kind of at wit's end as far as what we can use. But they remember in one of his memories that there was uh, a dead rabbit that got hit by a car and it smelled like roadkill. It just so happens we have something in the real world that smells like roadkill thanks to... And they all, yeah, thanks to Watts. Yeah, and they always say that scent is the scent's strongest tied to memories. Yeah. And so they say, well, he's still breathing, so he can still smell, and that may be able to trigger and allow us to go deeper into his memories. So we go collect uh, the smell of the dead squirrel, and we go back into his memories and tell the uh, the hospice doctor to let him smell of it. Uh, that then triggers a lot of stuff. Uh, the memories kind of get a little all wonky. Um, but we're able to actually travel into his childhood memories when he was a little boy. And we see uh, him standing there. Uh, in I guess in his, his front yard uh, in the driveway and his mother uh, gets into the car and then begins to back up and hits Johnny and we're like why the hell Watts is like why the hell is he even remembering this if he's unconscious it's like because he wasn't the one that got hit all of a sudden Johnny comes out of nowhere and sees his young twin brother dead on the road yeah dead Joey dead Joey and that's when I was like so did his mom go nuts and start pretending that he was Joey yeah I I don't know that I got a good answer as to why she called him Joey or was this just how Johnny remembered it because Joey was always the favorite and he just kind of, you know how like your, your mind may make up shit that happened a long time ago just because I remember that guy was an asshole and he did this one time, but he didn't really do that. And they do have quite a few nods in the game to imply that that's what's happening. Like they even call it out like the basketball court with the square circles. (laughs) You know, instead of circles on the basketball court, it's all squares. And then, I guess the whole thing about the anamorphs, sort of the one of the ongoing 
uh, I, I guess, mysteries. Hello? Uh, are you still there? Have you met Ted? Are you muted? I think you must be muted. Hello? Oh, wait. I think I got it. I can hear you now. <laughs> Sorry about that. Fuck. Where did I leave off? Uh, I was just mentioning that there were a few nods to that where uh, where you have bits of things that were clearly misremembered, like the circles on the basketball court being squares. Yeah. Or some of the Animorphs stuff. Sorry, that, that was weird. Like, the call did something weird. But, um, yeah, that that was the thing I was bringing up was, uh, like, Animorphs. There's references to Animorphs and Power Rangers and stuff like that, which makes me think that this game, like, in the real world, takes place, like, a few years in the future. Because, obviously, I grew up with Animorphs and Power Rangers, and so did Johnny. So maybe this happens when I'm, like, 70, if I live to be that long. <laughs> Yeah. So. Yeah. So, I, I guess to your original question, I think it's probably more likely that it's Johnny's messed up memories than it is his mom going crazy. Yeah, and it's left up to ambiguity. So, uh, and that yeah, that, that's fine. I mean, it's not that important. Um, but what what is more important is that well, Joey died, and her, you know, the mother obviously took it very very hard, and she took it so far as to make Johnny forget about that. Yeah, that's why he was taking beta blockers. Yeah. Intentionally so. mess up his memories. And after that, we go further in time, uh, and we see, obviously, uh, Johnny and Joey growing up as little kids. Um, we see that they sometimes had their arguments about, you know, mom likes you better kind of thing. And this is where you, you see some of the impact of his missed memories, yeah. right? So it turns out Johnny never even liked Animorphs, but he said he did in high school, but it's really it was his brother Joey that read Animorphs and really loved Animorphs, but then he forgot that. So I guess the way I understood it was all he remembered was Animorphs. He didn't actually ever read them as far as I understand but he remembered the thought of Animorphs and it was because his brother loved Animorphs right so when he gets to high school he just remembers yeah I liked Animorphs but it, in fact he never did and never read them yeah so that's man that's like a fucking Cloud Strife Zack Fair kind of thing from Final Fantasy 7 yeah where you know spoilers for Final Fantasy 7 in case you've never played it uh, so crazy also. Yeah, uh, Cloud um, took on the persona of Zack. He basically just replaced Zack with him, and then he started to believe that. And then he started running into people from his past saying, no, that wasn't you, that was Zack. 
<laughs> anyway, but yeah, that's there's your Final Fantasy VII minute. Um, yeah, but but I thought that was sort of good foreshadowing, and also you know that first clear example of you know you really messed up this kid's childhood because he doesn't even rem- he doesn't even know what he remembers. Yeah, he didn't even remember his brother. Um, so uh, we're then able to dive even deeper uh, to where he first met River. Um, they were at the uh, at the carnival, um, and Joey goes off. Not Joey, excuse me, Johnny. <laughs> Damn it! See, I'm doing it now. I'm really Zach Fair. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Johnny. And goes, you get to essentially the key moments of this whole game. Yeah, we're go- we're going to why he wants to go to the moon. This is as young. This is as far back in his memories as we go. Right. It's his first important memory. And he he goes, his mom allows him to go off on his own. Um, and he goes to uh, this log and sits there and looks at the stars. And then this little girl, River, shows up. Uh, she's very shy, but she sits down with, uh, with Johnny. And they... Uh, they talk for a little while and they're looking at the stars and she uh, mentions that she thinks that the stars are lighthouses and that's why she's always had this fascination with lighthouses. Um, and she, she says that she can create a constellation out of the stars and it's a rabbit and the rabbit's basically some of the stars and then the belly is the moon. And uh, Johnny says, um, well, we should do this again. Will you be here next year? And she says, yeah, I'll be here. And he's like, well, in case you don't see me, you know where to meet me. She says, where? And he's like, on the moon. And so that's where they get the, in case I don't yep. see you, I'll meet you on the moon. And so this is basically where everything stems from. Her obsession with the lighthouse that's why she wants to give up her life for the lighthouse stems from this moment. Uh, his obsession with wanting to go to the moon, even though he doesn't remember this moment. So that's why he doesn't know he wants to go to the moon Yeah, or he doesn't know why it's from that moment. He ends up giving her a platypus that he, I guess he won at the carnival. And so that that's one of the, sort of the items that's a touchstone throughout all of the memories as him and her are married. She's got this platypus uh, and and then there's also the rabbit thing. So throughout their life together, she's been prodding him and asking him, you know, what what do these rabbits mean? You know, what can you tell me about that rabbit, about the paper rabbit that she's gone nuts and she's like folding thousands of origami rabbits. And she keeps trying to force him to remember that moment where they made up the rabbit constellation with the moon as the belly. Yeah. And he can't ever remember that because he doesn't remember this memory. And that's one of the things that was sort of a wedge between them is she kept trying to get him to remember this and he just never did. Yeah. And so in his mind, the first time he met her was in high school when he asked her out, but you know, she then spends the rest of her life trying to get him to remember their first meeting. Right. Which she's unable to do properly because she's got this disorder. Right. Otherwise she would have just said, Hey, You've forgotten this, but this was this was the first time we met. Yeah. So it's um. Ooh man, 
That's a that's a heck of a high point for a game because it's it's not even like a big moment in isolation. It's just two kids sitting on a log looking up at the sky. You know, it's not that big of a moment in, you know, in the scheme of someone's life other than the fact that in their life it was a big moment. And that that was one of the things that I really liked about it because you know, it doesn't have to be in you know, the apex of the story. It doesn't have to be this, you know, any kind of explosions. It's not a big deal per se, but it, it's so important to their lives. Yeah. And the biggest thing is that that's left up to the player to piece together. It's none of this, you know, like how in a movie, the big reveal, and then they'll have like a multiple flashbacks of everything yeah. leading <laughs> up to it. None of that. Make sure happens. you haven't missed it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is what's happening. You know, force it in your face. This is, this is all told real simple. And then you have to piece this stuff together. Um, which is weird to me because I don't really remember. I have a terrible memory. So if I were to try and pick out the most important moments of my life, they definitely wouldn't have been when I was like six years old at a carnival because I don't remember shit from that long ago. I don't either. Could be repressed memories. Maybe we need to call um, Sigmund Corp. Dive back in and let you, let you remember stuff. Yeah, it, I guess if I have anything like that in my life, it would probably be when I was 10-ish. And all I remember is reading Jurassic Park like 10 times in a row. You know, various sporadic small memories, but but that sort of period of time and reading that book over and over and over again. And, you know, I, I think maybe you could I could trace a lot of my future from that moment to that moment. So maybe that's as close as I get to a log moment. Right. I don't, I like one of my earliest memories is like, I was probably about three or four and uh, my dad came home from work and, you know, he was tired obviously. Um, and he, he had sat down with like a big plate of food. And uh, I remember it was a gigantic, it was like, to me, it was gigantic. It was a big glass of Kool-Aid. <laughs> and apparently I was really excited that dad was home <laughs> and I accidentally hit the, uh, the hand that had the Kool-Aid in it and it went all over my dad. So and now you can't drink Kool-Aid anymore. Now, now, now I wonder why I fear the color red and Kool-Aid. Um, <laughs> nah, but that's like one of my earliest memories. I was just like, Hey dad, you remember that time I knocked Kool-Aid all over you? And he's like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, it's that. That's I, I don't think that uh, has has any consequences on my life. You never know, though. Um, it's also weird, what you know. Well, let's let's finish up. There's a few things I want to talk about, you know, along these lines. But I guess it's more sort of for the the ending. The ending. Yeah, I have. I'm I'm a little conflicted on the ending. Yeah, I'm very conflicted in the ending. So on on how how it plays out. So this is when the shift changes. This is when uh at at this moment Watts and uh Rosaline change the way they're thinking. Rosaline now becomes the person that well, we know what he wants to do. We know why he wants to do it. Now we just have to make him do it. Yep. And, finish the job. <laughs> yeah. And then 
Dr. Neil is more like, wait a minute, we can't just erase everything here just because he wants to go to the fucking moon. Like He lived his life and had a somewhat decent life, you know. Sometimes it's best just to, you know, let sleeping dogs lie kind of thing. Um, and so we take over as Neil and then Rosin runs off through the memories to change stuff. And we're, we're playing as Watts trying to stop her. And she does at some point say, just trust me, right? I think so. But he, just stop following me. Stop trying to stop me. Yeah. But he, he, he knows what she's trying to do. She's yep. going, she's going to erase river from his memory. So, um, we're trying to chase him down through this like hodgepodge of all these memories, like kind of con- congealing together. We're going th- running through a high school, and uh, there's all sorts of stuff we have to like dodge. Zombie Evas, zombie <laughs> Evas that are trying to take us, and stuff like that, and it's ridiculous. But uh, eventually, we make it to the end of that part where we see she actually moves. All right. So originally we see it as she removes river from the memories. Um, but what she says is I didn't remove her. I just moved her. Yep. So, uh, instead of, um, it's, it's, well, she left the earliest memories. It was in high school where he removed her, uh, particularly whenever, Johnny asks her out when he first remembers meeting her. Yeah. And, uh, instead, and on top of that, instead of Joey getting killed, he is alive throughout his life. Uh, this then, all right, here's where it gets fuzzy for me. For some odd reason, Johnny wants to become an astronaut. I don't know why. River never stopped him from becoming an astronaut. I, I, I guess this, my simplest interpretation there is just he still had that lingering notion of wanting to go to the moon. Mm-hmm. And now had more time to do it. Right. Because he never got married. I mean, I guess... But we see we see the memories play out. Uh, Johnny and Joey obviously this whole this whole alternate life. Yeah, Johnny and Joey obviously grow up. Uh, Joey being the big fan of Animorphs that got him to become an author. Uh, he wrote a book about Johnny about how his brother is trying to get into NASA. Called To the Moon. <laughs> yep. Um, and it shows Johnny. Eventually making it to NASA in his probably mid twenties, I guess. Um, and, uh, he's being shown around, uh, and everything like that. And, uh, Rosalind's kind of freaking out for a second there because she's like, well, something's not here. Something's not right. Uh, and then in the very end, River shows up. River also wants to go to the moon. Um, and she becomes an astronaut as well. Uh, with the final scene, and this is during uh, the the whole uh, 
while she's messing with the memories and stuff and everything's going kind of crazy at the same time Johnny is like in his last moments so everything's kind of going nuts there and everything's culminating at the same time yeah so um they I mean the scene basically uh ends with uh Watts is walking on a bridge it's overlooking uh, what I'm guessing is uh I don't know. Is it uh, Cape Canaveral? Is that what it is? Yeah, that would be my guess. Um, and they're sitting on the bridge. Everybody's there, and uh, it shows the space shuttle with both Johnny and uh, River on it. And they are lifting off and are on their way to the moon. And as uh, as the moon is coming into view... Um, Johnny and River hold hands and throughout this you can hear the heart monitor and it finally stops. Finally flatlines. Yeah. And um, the, the credits roll. Um, so his alternate life he got to go to the moon. Yeah. And I guess uh, also got the girl. So I don't like that. I mean, I'll just go ahead and say it. Yeah, I I don't either. I'm actually strongly against the idea of that. I just, um, because it's, it's not, I mean, I guess the whole point of paying this company to come and change your memories is because you want, you don't want what you had. But maybe this is my personal feelings. I wouldn't want anybody to to change what I've lived through. You know what I mean? Yep. I mean, I I, I'm, I fully believe that you are an accumulation of the decisions you make. So, I mean that 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 alternate life was not his life, and I, I can't imagine why anybody would would want that. I mean that that's not the life you lived. I mean, sure, everybody always can wonder what if, you know, I, 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 and I, in fact, spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, specific decisions, you know, what, you know, what would life have been like had I done option B instead of what I chose to do on some given day? Hmm. Well, let's get into a philosophical discussion, Matt. Do you believe in fate? Realistically, no. Hmm. So, you think uh, I, I believe I believe there is no fate but what we make for ourselves. There you go. I I, I don't the, I wouldn't per se say I believe in fate, but I do believe that there are set consequences to your actions. You know, if if I go down the road going ninety miles an hour, I have to accept the consequence that I may be dead. Yeah, I would say there are probable. You know, probabilities on the consequences. Right. Because nine times out of ten, you could barrel down the wrong side of the road at 100 miles an hour and survive. Exactly. Or it could be nine times out of ten, you don't survive. But nothing, I think, is a given. You're not destined to die. And if you could do it over again, who knows if you would. Yeah. Or that could lead to another chain of events that made you die. 
It's it's weird. It, you know, going back to uh, Donnie Darko, we were talking about that. Yep. <laughs> uh, you know, the whole we're basically on this line, and what if we had the ability to see that line and we could then decide not to go a certain route and go a different route? Um, and I don't. It know, gets into fascinating time travel discussion. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Like I, I know we we covered Donnie Darko in a previous episode. In fact, it was Prince of Persia, the not Sands of Time. I can't remember what the name of it was. It was the Prince of Persia one because I guess we found that the game was kind of boring, so we decided the last episode we just talk about Donnie Darko after watching it. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. But go back and listen to that episode because man, we get into some crazy discussions there. Um, and if you have not seen Donnie Darko. Go see it. It will confuse the living shit out of you. But on the second watch, it's great. <laughs> um, but so yeah. if, if this game were a time travel story, it doesn't really fit a lot of the n- normal molds. You know, there's no sort of time stream. It's not 12 monkey style time travel. It's basically just, you know, anything goes and you don't. It's not even really you don't know what the outcome is going to be because they specifically engineer an outcome. Yeah. And I think because because it is a dream, basically, that you can do that. In any other in any other type of, of uh, story or, or anything, really, it, it wouldn't work. Um, well, but wouldn't it just essentially be analogous to you know any story where you make a change and then now you've created a new reality so a branching timeline true this is essentially i mean this is essentially no different than saying yep we're now on a different branch yeah. you've reached the, you've reached the beta world if this were a steins gate well my thing is is that how the fuck did they know that he wanted to become an astronaut how, how did they know that he would become an astronaut they had to they'd have to custom make that life well, or, or they just, you know, I, I guess they've already done all the stupid stuff like the NASA discussion, right? Or is that not part of this experience? I don't think it's part of it. So that got overwritten when they went back and removed River? I think so. But if you remember, they did hang up like posters. They changed like the movie they went to and shit like that. Yep. So I, I, think, th- I think that's the answer then. They engineered his life. We didn't see every single memory that they adjusted would be my guess yeah so i think the assumption is they went throughout his life and nudged him onto a certain path to get him to the point where he could go to the moon right and then eat so i i don't know how when eva says she moved river how she did so if she doesn't have access to river's memories or like how did she get how did you get River to join NASA? That's the bigger question to me. Well, that 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 doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things because it's all about what Johnny thinks. And Johnny, maybe Johnny thinks that River would become an astronaut. Yeah, that's fair. So, I, it's 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 a very interesting, and I found the story to be pretty touching. Um. But I agree. Yeah, I don't. I don't agree with what they did. <laughs> um, also, I do believe that you never really know. Like you could say, uh, you know, I this bad thing happened to me. I wish I could change it. But in reality, 
again, you, I think you're an accumulation of all of those decisions, all the experiences that you had. You don't know what would have happened if you didn't do that bad thing. Something far worse could have happened to you. You know, kind of like the butterfly effect movie. Yeah. Where, you know, you, you might, you know, anything. I mean, the, the alternative could always be you got hit by a bus. And so whatever decision you chose not to make could result in your death. Prematurely. Yeah. But, but not even that, like you said it best when you said that you believe that you are what the choices you make, you wouldn't even be the same person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if I chose a different path in life, would I even be me? Would I be the Drew that I am today? Yeah. So fulfilling a wish, sure, that sounds great. But if you, f- if you full well know that that means changing who you are, that's some kind of deep unhappiness with your life. Maybe. Or I, hate, I hate everything in my life. I wish I was a different person. That's much different than, please fulfill my wish. I'd like to go to the moon. <laughs> Those are two very different wishes. So, I, I mean, I, I, is that one of the big questions then? Did, did Johnny even know what this company did? did and how they achieved their means and what it would mean maybe not maybe maybe that or uh so there's multiple thought processes with that maybe johnny really did hate his life and he wanted to completely erase it i don't think so uh you don't get the sense that he hates river yeah right no he's got you know they've had troubles sure they didn't maybe communicate well they did he may not have really understood her but to essentially – well, I guess he didn't know that they would remove her, though. There's no way he could have known that. No. So I, I guess then the, the next question is, did he actually die happy? Well, I, that, that we don't know. Um, we can't assume that he doesn't remember his original life, though, right? That's the goal. That Yeah. Is to change his memories, not give him two sets of memories. Yeah. So he no longer remembers his wife that he spent 40 or 50 or 60 years with. So that's where, that's where Neil's change in character is really interesting because that's what, that's what he's saying is, no, you, I don't, I know he wants to go to the moon, but that's not better. Like his new life is different, but it's not better. Yeah. He's lost, you know, as we're saying, every everything that made him who he was. But if you don't know what you've lost, I guess you can't really be upset, can you? I don't know. That, that, that Unless just... on the other hand, you know, who, who's to say that he's not more unhappy with his new set of memories? Exactly. So that, That's one of the biggest questions. You don't, you know, he could have one. Uh-oh. Why did Matt get put on hold? I don't know. I'm talking to myself now. Oh, God. Welcome back, Matt. Hello. What happened? <laughs> I was getting a call. Oh. You need to take it? No, I just canceled it. Okay. So... um Let's see what Wikipedia says here, because I'm looking at the synopsis. 
Let's see here. It says, uh, in the present, Rosalind and Watts eventually implant a memory sequence in which Joey did not die and lived on to become a popular author. And Johnny did not meet River again until they started working together at NASA. As the comatose real life Johnny begins to die, he imagines going on a moon mission with River. During the launch, River holds out, holds out a hand to him. The moon appears through a window on the ship, and Johnny takes her hand, and his heart monitor flatlines. Um, it's touching, but I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's better. Let's see here. It says in the epilogue, Johnny and River eventually get married, and build and retire to the same house where the real life Johnny and River lived. Back in the real world, Rosalind and Watts look to Johnny's grave, which is placed adjacent to Rivers. They reveal to the audience that Johnny willed the house to his caregiver. Um, Rosalind receives a phone call, and the two move on to their next patient. Oh, and the, this uh, this also happens at the very end. While Watts is leaving, he stops, and the screen briefly flashes red, the same way it did when Johnny felt pain. Watts takes some painkillers and then follows Rosaline to the next adventure. Which uh, apparently we're getting in the near future. Actually, yes. It's called Finding Paradise. So, there's that. And it's coming sometime in 2017. Um, so, the, the other, I guess the other big question I have, or one of them, is why anybody, once they've experienced... So, not why anybody, but why specifically Eva would think that he actually still wants to go to the moon when he clearly has no actual desire to go to the moon. Right? The whole let's meet on the moon was sort of a joke. Right. I guess it was buried in the back of his head because he didn't have the memory anymore, just sort of a, I guess what, a shadow of the memory, a memory of the memory, but not the actual memory. So he has this thought in his head, I want to go to the moon. But once Eva sees that, it's not that he wanted to go. He did not want to be an astronaut and walk on the moon and pick up moon dust and jump around like he's on a trampoline. Like the, Those weren't the things that he wanted. He just wanted to meet up with River. So all Eva did was take away years that he had with River to give him something he didn't actually want. I don't know. It sounds terrible to I mean, me. It does. I mean, it, like, I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want somebody else engineering what they thought I wanted. Exactly. But, I mean, and then Rosalind at the end was basically, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting paid for this job. So, this is what we're doing. And then you, and put, can, you over, can you overwrite that whole concern? By just saying, if Johnny did know about it, you know, sure, that's his his call to make. Right. So I'm really confused because I don't know his original motivations, which I guess he doesn't even know either, but it's well, very confusing. <laughs> put, put yourself in the position of both, you know, Watts and Rosaline and, you know, you could make a fucking compelling story just out of that and their experiences with doing this job. Yep. 
Because one, th- one other thing they could have done was just give him a different version of what they actually thought he wanted. So what, what Eva did, I guess, is go by the letter of, you know, presumably whatever document he signed. What is your last wish? It's to go to the moon. Okay, we will do that no matter what. Now, separately, they could have decided, actually, we know what he really wants now. Now that I've seen his childhood memory, I know it's not to be an astronaut. That's not what he wants, even though he thought he did. And I don't know if that's more or less scary to have somebody else decide they think they know what somebody wants and then change all of your memories to fit that one idea. Damn. Cause that would even, cause they could have said, all right, what he clearly wanted was more time with Eva. So maybe, you know, maybe they could have, she could have moved River to meet him as soon as the beta blocker effect ended. Had them meet then instead of in high school, given them more years and then potentially let him know somehow about her disorder if the assumption was then that they would be able to start younger and communicate better about it because they they both have a better understanding of what was happening right she could have said that's what i understand him to want so i'm going to manipulate his memories to get that outcome which would have also been a very different outcome from either his real experience or his nasa experience yeah but, but i'm not sure if that's any less scary <laughs> yeah i mean but in but in the end he wanted to go to the moon and that was their job. And you could like you could write so many fucking stories about these two characters, you know, going to different people's minds and seeing the conflicts of what this person really wants and what this person said they wanted. Yep. And then the moral conflict of the scientist to what do you give them? Yeah. Dude, that's a fucking great fucking concept. Yeah. Wow. I I I I want to play the second game to see what happens because you are playing as, as Watson Rosalind again. Yep, I'd be a little nervous that it was just another story, but I don't think it would be that. I think enough care was put into the sort of moral ambiguity, even if it's done somewhat frivolously at times in this game. You know, it's sort of referenced. I think enough care was put into it that it wouldn't just be, oh, here's another story and the adventures of Eva and Neil. Yeah. Hmm. So we did get an email. Oh, this comes in from Jamie. It says, uh, hi guys, surprise. I decided to play along. Can't really turn down a four hour game made by a Canadian, no less. <laughs> Seeing as this is the big year for us, uh, we're, we've been a country for 150 years, um, being as patriotic as possible, so playing the this felt like a requirement. Anyways, someone has to pick up the slack with the email since nobody else seems to want to write in, naughty Phoenix Down listeners. So I decided to play on my PC. I don't have a very good PC, which is why I never game on it. I haven't played a game on a computer in close to 10 years back when I played Age of Empires obsessively. Fun times. So I got a Steam account and downloaded To The Moon. It feels weird to be playing a game on a PC. It takes me back to when my uncle used to bring me demo discs. <laughs> uh, the game ended up taking me about 6 hours. 
I kept getting sidetracked with my daughter thought she heard the ice cream truck. Turns out the music in the game was what she was really hearing. If only we'd realized that sooner. The music really was fantastic. The music, the music in this game is fantastic. This, I thought it was going to get too repetitive because you hear that first theme like five or six times in the first 20 minutes. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, good Lord, this is going to get bad. But it, it it's done so well and it's used so effectively. Yeah. That that last scene with the music playing and then you hear the, the heart monitor kind of going along with the yep. music and then it flatlines. That was perfect. And even the credit song with the vocals was really nice. Yeah. Let's see here. It says, I found the story to be very sweet and touching. At first I thought it was going to be super depressing, but it ended up feeling kind, but I, it ended up feeling kind of fulfilling, which I thought was odd considering it's a game that starts with a person dying. By the time he actually dies, you feel happy for him, which is strange, which was strange. The only part where I got a bit annoyed was in the third act when the two doctors start to argue and Rosaline goes off on her own and does her own thing. I yeah, thought, that, that's sort of the most different part of the game. I can't tell because it's sort of them debating the morality of what they're doing. I kind of think it's my favorite part of the game. Yeah. But it's probably the least fun to play, like the part when you have to use the WASD and sort of the motion keys. Sometimes it's the mouse. So we didn't talk about the shitty parts of this game, which I think were the controls. Oh, God, they're bad. So I played partly on a controller, but then there were times like doing the puzzles and then doing that shit where the controller will not fucking work with it. So I then had to switch to WASD, and it was really fucking annoying. The controls in this game are bad. Yeah, I even hated just the regular moment-to-moment. Every time you would pan around the map, the fact that it would move my mouse with it, Ugh. Because I felt, I felt like I would try, I would be ready to click on something, but then the whole screen would pan, and I'd have to be, I'd have to be like fighting against the panning to stay where I wanted the mouse cursor to be. Yeah. So bet- between that and the fact that a lot of times I would click on something and nothing would happen, and I would kind of, I mean, it, it's pretty obvious when there's something you need to click on because it, change the cursor changes shape, but sometimes I'd click on it, nothing would happen, and I'd be like. All right, well, I don't know that that means nothing will happen. I have to actually walk over, get situated just in front of it, and then click on it again, and now maybe something will happen. Right. Let's see here. She says, I thought that there could be could have been an easier way for them to send Johnny to the moon instead of taking River out of the picture. It made more sense to me that he could be reminded of his meeting with her when they were children and want to join her on the moon after she was lost to him. Um, let's see here. Having him become an astronaut on his own cheapened his desire to go there. It seemed less meaningful to me. All the talk where Rosling went out, went on about our memories being beautiful on their own, regardless of the outcome. And then she decides to rewrite his whole life anyways. That just doesn't make sense. It would have been better if they helped him come to terms with the way he had lived his life and want to join his wife. I suppose it was all in his head, so it doesn't really matter, which is basically what we've been talking about for the past 10 minutes. Yep. Except it does matter to him. I mean, this is his life. Yeah. It doesn't matter to the world at large, but, you know, he's now dead. So whatever you wrote, you only had that one shot to give him what you thought his life was. Right. 
Weird. Let's see here. It says, uh, uh, and I'm sure he found peace before he died, which was the point. Still, what's the point of living if someone could just rewrite, rewrite all your memories before you die? Yes, I'll take the rock star millionaire memories, please. Anyways, it was a surprisingly fun game to play despite the dark premise, and I enjoyed it uh, for the most part. Good suggestion, Mookie. It was great to play a nice short game. Now I feel like I should say something Canadian-y. It was fun, no doot about it, eh? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how good I was my Canadian accent is. Yeah, I'm not gonna try. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not good with a Canadian accent. Sorry, but um. Yep. Pretty good southern accent, though. Hey, I got that down, man. All right, all right, all right. Uh, but yeah, to the moon. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Very interesting game. Really, really interested to see where the next one goes. Yeah. And it it raised questions. You know, normally in this type of game, I feel like a lot of my questions would be plot holes, weird motivations, things like that. But this, you know, the question ends up being so much bigger than the game here. Because the questions, you know, are about, you know, coming to grips with the good and bad things that you've done in your life. Yeah. And, you know, should you even want to change those? I mean, those are fundamental questions that I, you know, ask myself all the time. So. It definitely, uh, Definitely raises some questions. And um I think that was their intention, to be honest with you. Yeah. Tell it tell a decent story and then also make the make the player think. Cause I know I would never call this this corporation to come and change my memories when I'm dying. Do you see this almost like an animated movie? And and so, I mean, kind of like where if you're like a kid and you watch an animated movie, you just watch it for like, you know, there, there's one level of an, a simple level of interpretation. And so somebody could just enjoy this game saying, yep, he got what he wanted and that's it. Or you could have all these other questions. Do you think it's meant to satisfy both or do you think it's purely meant to raise the questions as to whether or not that was a good idea or not? I don't know. Um, it could easily be both. Um, uh, I still think they tell a good story and, uh, I think, I think the game was made for, for making people think. Then again, I could be wrong. I don't know. That's, that's all up to the developer. If they didn't, Make the game to make people think about, you know, what would you would do in this situation? Then they're inadvertently brilliant. <laughs> so, well, I, mean, I think they obviously did, but do you think that was the only reason, or do you think it can be enjoyed just on the merits of Eva being right, essentially? So, essentially, do you think Eva's right, Neil's right, or both? Both. I mean, to me, I mean, uh, to me, I think it's all about interpretation. I don't know if the developers meant for it to be left up to interpretation, but, um, you know, I definitely took it that way that, uh, I, I can see both points of view 
And while I don't agree with one of them, it's still viable. They had a job to do. They wanted to get paid for the job. We had to send them to the moon. Yeah, because I I don't see how... For for me, there's no way I would think Eva did the right thing. No. But I could... I I think that I I would... I don't even know how to say it. I think I would imagine that the developers thought that some people would believe Eva was doing the right thing. Well, it's like uh, you go back to Binary Domain. Remember we played that and we got the big philosophical discussion of like, what does it mean to be human? And me personally kill them all they're, they're or, or mass effect mass effect 3 right well that was that that was Not me human, but sentient yeah, well, yeah that that was that was me like just choosing the worst fucking ending ever <laughs> <laughs> and be like fucking everybody dying then you know so <laughs> but yeah, no there's a game where you have that choice but it it doesn't really seem to matter in this game it matters yeah. i feel much more strongly in this game than i do about the ending of mass effect 3 yeah I even though that's arguably much more of an important decision because it's not just affecting one person you know you're deciding the fate of you know whole you know whole races whole uh, all of life essentially yeah so it's weird. You you bring it in this Earth. condensed this condensed um one single person's life and memories and you change your mind about certain stuff. Yep. I don't think I could ever choose merge in Mass Effect three. No, I really like morally. I couldn't. Because I would be like, No. Like I like at, at the end of Mass Effect three I was like, Fuck you guys, I'm not I'm not doing this And they're like, Okay, well we're gonna kill y'all. Fine by me. I'd rather, yeah, I, I'd I rather think die than be merged. Yeah, and I think those are fascinating choices <laughs> worth discussion on the lines, along the lines of the game we're playing right now to the moon, but it, it didn't have that personal touch, so I, it didn't, I didn't, didn't care as much, to be honest. Despite those games being excellent, that th- those games weren't about that decision. This game is all about that decision. Yeah. Well, I mean, it goes back to the whole, you know, uh, there's a ton of people that die in a war, but one person is a tragedy. Yeah. If it's your, if it's somebody you know, it's a tra- tragedy. Yeah. But if it's a bunch of random people, uh, if it's a group of people, and it's the same way with anything. Like, uh, what was it? I think, um, Actually, a really good uh, quote from Men in Black by Tommy Lee Jones. He says, a person is smart, but people are wild, scared animals. <laughs> and it, it, it's, it's just the reverse, you know, like an individual person is more personal. It's more, it, you, you learn more about that person. But when it's a group of people, you, you don't have the time or the effort to learn those people. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I guess I think you and I are both in agreement that we wouldn't call this service. We wouldn't want our memories changed. No. If this, so I guess two intertwined questions. If this were time travel, is there any event that would be so bad that you would go back and change it? 
And then if this isn't time travel, if it's like to the moon, is there anything you can imagine happening that would be so bad that you would change it? Or, or does that statement of I'm made up of my history no matter what, is that, does that trump no, no matter how bad something could be? Even if you got, I don't know, diddled by your grandpa. Um. Because, and, and I say this because I've seen people who potentially, you might objectively say, really have gone down horrible paths because of something that happened in their past. And so, if you were in Eva's position and you could go back into their memories, would you feel justified removing that thing that in the real world did cause their downfall or not? Right. Um, cause I'm assuming that, you know, you and I both said, no, we wouldn't, but you know, not without probing too deep into your life, you know, I don't know what, you know, not, I, w- I don't think I've had a tragedy so strong that it scarred and changed the direction of my life for the worse. Maybe I have, and I just don't realize it yet, but I don't, I don't see that. But per, if you could see it in somebody else and it was so bad, would you, would you change it? And if so, where, where's that line? How'd... I, um, you know, I mean, I've seen some shit in my day, Matt, you you know that. Um, and I think a lot of people listening to this, uh, have heard some of mm-hmm. the, the things that have happened in my life. <sighs> there are things that happened in my life that I wish went differently. Um, I think everybody could say that. Yeah. But I don't know if I'd want to change them. Um, because I, I do believe that, that experience really defines who you are. Not only just experience, but also how you deal with those experiences. Um, I mean, full disclosure, I mean, I, I, I have no problem saying it. Um, about four years ago, uh, as everyone knows, I'm, I am currently engaged to my fiance, who I love to death. Um, about four years ago, I was dating a woman I had dated for a while, um, who, uh, she was a very, she, she abused substances and, um, alcohol very, very badly. And, um, I mean, it was rough dealing with that kind of stuff. Um, it sucked. I hated it. And, uh, I, after multiple breakups and coming back and multiple, I finally broke up with her and, uh, that then resulted in more alcohol abuse and drug abuse, uh, to it. Eventually she, she killed herself. Uh, and that affected me in some ways. Um, and I feel like, are you, are you broken though? No. No. Um, I, I, I f- if anything, I feel stronger because of the experience that I've had. Um, 
you know, you go back and you, you look at things that's happened in your life and you think, you know, this, this sucks. How can this ever be good? And I'm not saying that uh, my ex-girlfriend killing herself is a good thing. Um, I just, um, you, you learn how to not only cope with things, but how to move on. And, you know, if I hadn't experienced that stuff, who knows? I wouldn't have, I may not have ever have met my future wife. And, you know, I, like, I don't know. Uh, that's, that's, it's hard to, to think about that kind of stuff. It's not because, not because, oh, it, it, it hurts to think about. I mean, I've, you know, I, I have no problem talking about that. Um, it's, it's been in the past, she, you know, she's been dead for three years now. Um, but I don't know. Um, so, I, I mean, I, if, you, if you're asking if I had a DeLorean and could go back in time and stop my ex-girlfriend from killing herself, would it change certain things? Or would I do that? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want that to happen to her. Right, but would you would you change the memory of it so that if you if you could make that thing if you could change it that's sort of a bigger question if you could stop it from happening right because it wouldn't just be the influence on you it would be everyone else who knew her you know and and I I guess if you're trying to look at it impartially would you say what is the weight of all the pain that that caused. And what's the likelihood if I stop that from happening that the future would have been better? Um, Which is a different question than if you just say, what if, what if, would you go back into your own mind and erase them and change the memory of it happening, even if it still did happen in real life? I don't know. I wouldn't. I, I mean, I'm not a believer in in fate, but I believe in living your life. And you take the good with the bad. Um, I've had a lot of great things happen in my life, and I'm proud of every moment of it. Um, at the same time, I've had some bad things happen in my life. And no, so yes, I guess I guess a uh, one step further along that path. What if you weren't as well adjusted as you are. What if you were the kind of person who could never get over that and, you know, became really self-destructive and you could pinpoint it to that one event? If it could, if it could uh, help the, the betterment of my life, then probably. Yeah. So, so there is a line that, you know, and maybe, maybe it would never happen in your life because of who you are as a person. And because of the experiences you've gone through. But if you were to look in someone else's life, you know, maybe who went down that sort of downward path. And what if you went back through her memories and confined that point that led to, you know, her eventual ending? 
don't know. It's a, it's a tough question to answer. I think it's a, uh, there's a very big difference between changing somebody else's memories and changing my own memories. If I consciously decided to change my own memories, that's one thing. But for me to choose to make somebody remember something different, that's not my call. So you could be a Johnny, but you couldn't be an Eva. <laughs> yeah. That's not I mean, my if you place. Take it, you know, that's, that's not my place. That's not my place to to change somebody else's life, to change somebody else's experiences. That's that's borderline playing God right there. Yep. Even if they've asked for it? If they and then you get into the same question that Eva has. What if the thing they've asked for isn't the thing that you think they really want or it becomes clear that they didn't want what what they asked for? Oh, man. That's uh, – <laughs> all right. Bringing it back to Eva's decision or <laughs> I guess Neil. It's really Neil's, Neil's just problem with what, with what Eva's doing. Right. That that I mean I like, I don't know in the context of real life experiences and situations like for me, uh, God, I I wouldn't even know what to do in that situation if if I had the ability to change somebody else's memories and I f- thought that what they wanted wasn't really what they wanted and I thought I knew what they really wanted. I don't know if I could do that because at the end of the day, this is what they wanted. And I still feel like it's, it's playing God to me. So, so you would have followed Eva's path or you would have abandoned the whole thing and let him die with his original life, his original set of memories. Uh Damn you, Matt. What are you trying <laughs> I mean, to do I, to me? <laughs> it's just so strange, though, because I feel like, you know, the more we talk about it, the more I can't make a decision because I need to know Johnny's mentality when he called. Yeah. I need to know what, he, you know, what he was thinking at that time because I don't know. I don't, I don't know and I don't want to try and guess what he really wanted. Because I personally don't think that he wanted the NASA life. No. I don't think he ever wanted to go literally stand on the moon. I don't think that's what he wanted. That's a... I think that's one of the... That's one of those moments where I'm I'm not the... uh, the praying type, but that's one of those moments where you leave it up to God on that one, man. Because I wouldn't know what to do in that situation. Yep. I'm just really happy I don't have to make that decision. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I could imagine being wholly paralyzed by that choice. Not doing anything and then he just dies. Oh, God damn. Was he actually, I was going to say miserably, but was 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 he unhappy? Why did he call to begin with? That's, that's, exactly. that's like exactly why did he call? Did he just sort of had this thing? Ah, I want to go to the moon. I've got tons of extra money now. I don't know how uh, he clearly doesn't have a lot of extra money and presumably this wouldn't be a cheap 
experience, a cheap uh, service to provide. Right. So, you know, I, I, I don't know what, what actually made him call and what was his mind state at that moment. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I was not prepared to talk about all this when we decided we were going to play to the moon. <laughs> oh, Jesus. This game's deeper than it, uh, it looks. <laughs> I know. Or maybe we just made it deeper. Maybe the developer's like, dude, we just wanted to like tell a, a touching yeah. story. Ease up, guys. Stop thinking about it, you know? <laughs> I wonder if I wonder what the developers of this game, if they listen to this podcast, what the developers of this game would think. They like I, I'm I'm genuinely curious. They'd probably be like, This is totally what we want people to think about or why the fuck are they going into this? <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! All right, but yeah, I think that's enough discussion of To the Moon. Um, I for for the most part, I enjoyed the game. The controls were bad, but that's about it. Luckily, you don't actually control a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you, don't, you don't do a lot. In you the don't game. have to do a lot. Yeah, um, and when you do, it doesn't really matter. Like when you're fighting the zombies. Yeah. You can't die in the game. Yeah, there's no life bar or anything like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's, um, that's it for To the Moon. Uh, let's see here. Do the whole spiel of, hey, you can follow us all on Twitter. I'm at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS. And the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Uh, you can send us emails. Uh, the email address is Drew at ZTGD.com. Um, and, uh, yeah, so the next thing we're going to be doing, I actually mentioned it on the, uh, N4G podcast, uh, that just went up, uh, this week. Uh, I saw the trailer for Ready Player One, and I was like, I kind of want to read that book. So, we are taking a break from video games, just for a few episodes, and me and so Matt. does this become Series 61 or not? Yeah. Okay. I did, we'll call it 61. Ready Player yep. One. We're going to be reading through Ready Player One. Um, I know, but what the hell? I like playing video games with you guys. I haven't read a book in probably seven years, eight years. Is that how long ago? Paul Zero Three came out? Um, let's find out. Hull Zero Three, uh, released in 2010, seven years ago. Wow. That was the last book I ever read was Hull Zero Three by Greg Bear. Yep, and we discussed it and we both read it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and now Matt and I are gonna sit down and we're going to read Ready Player One, which, uh, Steven Spielberg is making a movie out of. You can see the trailer. Um, I know the synopsis, which is uh, in the near future. I think it's, what, 2042 or something like that? Um, this kid, most of the, the majority of society, 
uh, spends a lot of their time in this virtual reality world called Oasis. And uh, the developer, the man who created Oasis, um, was a big fan of stuff from the 1980s and 90s. So he has put a lot of references to 80s and 90s pop culture in this virtual reality world. And apparently, before he died, he put in his will that uh, he has left an Easter egg in the game. And if anybody can find it, they are entitled to his entire fortune. And it follows this kid named Wade, I think's his name, as he tries to find the Easter egg along with against the odds of other people trying to find it as well. Um, so I'm excited to read this book and that's something you don't hear me say often. <laughs> I, I'm not much of a reader. It, it makes me fall asleep is usually what it does. Even if the book's good, that's the thing is like, I, I enjoy great stories and stuff like that. But when it comes to reading, it makes me fall asleep. That's what, that's the biggest issue I have. So, but we are going to be reading through Ready Player One for the next show. Um, if anybody out there is interested, please pick up a copy. Go to your local library or buy it on Kindle or whatever. I'm actually getting a paperback of it. And uh, read along with us. Send in some emails. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Uh, I appreciate everybody listening. I hope you guys have a great week. But until next time. I am Drew. And I'm Matt. And we're out of here. You guys have a great one. And we'll be back with the beginning parts of the book, Ready Player One. between them he said
never know what I should do when this world is no more. The moon is all we'll see. I'll ask you to fly away. Oh.